like, are we like, are we smoking marijuana through the development? Like, is that assumption? <laughs> I mean, in what fashion? we're not, we're not, not smoking. Hey everybody, welcome to episode 419 of Coffee with Butterscotch, the game dev comedy podcast of Butterscotch Shenanigans. I'm Seth and I'm the games programmer. I'm Adam and I'm the miscellaneous programmer. I'm Sam and I'm the flying man. And this is a show where we'll get into it. (laughs) Uh, This is a show where we talk about life, business, and working in the games industry. Today is June 12th. 20 Jubilee. And before we get started, we have a warning that's going to be profanity in this show. And we'd also like to thank our supporters over at moneygrab.bscotch.net, whose money we have grabbed. It's great. And, and we appreciate it. Uh, all right. Lots of, lots of stuff happened this past week. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about it. (laughs) Crash Sites 2 announced with the last podcast. Sorry that was a few hours late, but you got to respect those embargoes, you know? Sometimes you got to embargo yourself, you know? Mm -hmm. So we had to hold the podcast for a few hours to make sure we didn't uh, spoil the surprise. Well, hold on. Before we go deeper, people who have been listening to the podcast will be saying, what the fuck are you talking about? You... You announced Crashers 2 years ago, mm-hmm. which is true. You know, if you're part of the select elite audience of our podcast listeners. Yes. Yep. Yeah. But we didn't we, – we had no uh, screenshots or video or anything released publicly. We had been keeping all that under wraps. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The uh, fact so we were our, working on it was the only public. Yes. Piece. So this was our legit actual announcement with unveiling of gameplay footage and, you know, all that stuff. Yeah. So – Probably the, the real deal. Reveal is probably the more accurate word, but you yeah. Know, reveal plus Steam store page launch where yeah. uh, we have more information. We got the trailer and uh, we got the ability to wish list and stuff like that. So yeah. it's real. It's happening. That's it. That's yeah. that's the deal. That's the announcement. So yeah, paired with that then was because we did the Grill Collective on the seventh, and that's a big, a big to do online where they stream a bunch of games. Um, you know, new announcements, whatever else. Crashings was smack in the middle of it with a nice little world premiere sort of a fancy graphic beforehand, which is kind of fun. And uh, I was watching the chat, which is always both as a new as a new dev. I think you gotta if you haven't had done the rounds yet, you gotta understand what you're looking at, which is live chat for any one of these things. There's always a hilarious, strange pile of screaming maniacs who are largely mad that a game that is maybe like a very specific to them game doesn't exist in this particular like direct or whatever. And they're just going to yeah. be yelling about that. So but they're like, also trying my- to show off to, they're trying to one up each other also and like show off to mm-hmm. each other. There's all, there's it's a whole, a, it's a, it's a, a whole wild thing. yeah place. <laughs> so yeah, you, you got to watch it with a very, uh, uh, you got to be discerning. You got to be discerning. You got to know what you're looking at. And really all you're looking for is, does the emotional tenor turn even slightly positive? When after a little bit while your game is being shown, that's all. You, if you get that, ooh, you're good. So mm-hmm. <laughs> I was very amused because like first, you know, Crashes pops up and then they're still just screaming about this isn't Silk Song or whatever. This isn't Zelda, Zelda DLC, you know, that sort of thing. And yeah, then, you know how Nintendo un, uh, talks about their new Zelda game through some other random, you know how Nintendo does that, right? You, you can know, expect, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah no. through, through an indie, no. again, like an indie focus spotlight. Yeah, but people will come in and be mad that this indie spotlight is not talking about Zelda, and that's okay. Yes, you know, that's, that's okay. Just part, that's just part of it. <laughs> you know, it's the internet, baby. You got to just relax. So, yeah, it's roll with it. 
so it's it very fun to see kind of the, the that tenor switch over from being you know mad that as per usual that it's not some other game that no one would think possibly would announce here to being actually excited about whatever this thing is right um so it's good to see also pardon if you can hear this baby screaming in the background a little bit she's popping off this morning she's popping off <laughs> popping off um but yeah so the, the announcement went really well then with that that stream and uh part of that last week then was the next day i was in you want to pause for a second no okay <laughs> Dying, I'll figure it out. She's <laughs> um, yeah. yeah, we part of that was the next day. Then I was in LA for the like the physical show of the mix. So the mix is a separate thing from the Gorilla Collective, but they work together for that event, right? So the mix is an in-person focused event that happens at a lot of these conferences. So there's one at GDC, there's one at PAX, whatever. And the whole point is basically there's like a there's an hour and a half of just press time after you get your game set up, and then there's like three or four hours. Of usually like 500 players, like people show up these things in, in big, big numbers, right? And they always rent out like a really cool venue. Um, and so this year is no different. You know, I got my backpack ready. I, I, I head down there around five o'clock to get my stuff set up, get, getting ready for press. And uh, things went a little bit off the rails though this year. Usually it's a very well, slick operation. Well, you mean like uh, like you got mustard on your shirt or something like that? Sort of Some- like uh, the fire marshals came. As I was screwing in oh. the rented monitor and then shut down the venue, not, not the event, the venue. This the, is the like building. The building. <laughs> we, it's like the building got like, like sort of one of those big eviction notices sort of things slapped on it, right? Um, and it was so weird that uh, the guy who runs the mix, who's like a really wonderful dude. And also he has like a, he has that kind of speaking pattern where he sounds like just kind of like, happy you know what i mean sort of at a baseline even when he's giving you news so he gets on the mic and he starts he starts saying hey guys i got this i got uh some news for you bad news for you and he explains the situation fire marshals are here turns out the company that we're working with that runs this venue lied to us about permits fire fire safety safety. they've been apparently under investigation by the city for a little while here and this is has been the cutoff date that they've known about for a while and they just fucking took our money and this sucks for us, sucks for you. I'm so sorry, but uh, we have to, everybody got to pack up. And I remember everyone, you know, when like, someone's kind of punking you in that like kind of rude way where it's like, this isn't actually funny, but they might be like, just kidding. Like you see that sometimes at some of these bigger events where someone's like just trying to warm up the audience a little bit by making them feel a little bit of trauma, you know, before, before they <laughs> Um so I was thinking, I was like, okay, maybe this is just that. And I was just, I was waiting. You're waiting like, for the, uh, the punchline. Yeah, for the like, <laughs> just kidding, guys. Like, oh my God, it's going to be a great show. IGN's here. Like, yeah, let's fucking go. I'm just kidding. Can you believe how crazy that would be? That's exactly. Like, that's what I was, <laughs> he's, yeah. And then, and then it did it. And he's like, yeah, so sorry. And then he like clicks off the mic. And I was, you know, we're like 10 feet away from each other. Because of how like this like big dome, this is a really cool weird dome setup thing, and I so I walked over to him. I was like, I was like, you just you playing right? And he was like, Nah. <laughs> and I was like, Oh, <laughs> oh, oh, <no>. fuck. <laughs> and so and it was sad because it's like so yeah, like we like we flew out there, right? So like fucking this is like thousands of dollars, okay? This is just thousands of dollars to get out. Oh yeah, there, there are no winners here. No, you know, like the mix only losers. Yeah, the mix is out. I don't even know how much fucking money for just like getting the venue in the first place. Uh, and then the the worst part is like you know we we're a bit long in the tooth at this point. We knew we have our contacts. Like I had just had my meeting with our Netflix 
one of our Netflix producers to just like kind of, you know, have some face-to-face time. Like we have people already at the big organizations and stuff that we like, we really need to have people at, right? About like probably a quarter of the devs are very new. Like a lot of them, this is our first show of a first game. And they they probably broke the bank to get there. Yeah. Some of them, well, some of them flew out from like I did from the East coast or from, you know, Canada or whatever else. And so, yeah, there's this palpable, like, what the fuck are we going to do? Sort of like, this was supposed to be the thing for a lot of people that, um, especially if it's your first, like getting your first game into the growth collective was like, like fucking amazing for one, but then being able to show up at the mix and like, you know, schmooze with IGN a bit maybe, or just like meet some streamers, whoever can be such a validating thing for those early, early days. And it just fucking. Well, and especially if in, in probably many of these cases, these are games that are coming out soon. Right. And this is yes. like something that they were going to do as part of their launch strategy. Yeah. To maybe like three, six months out or something. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So there's this palpable despair that settles in over a lot of the newer teams. You know, there's some people just like straight up crying. Because <laughs> right? it's like, this sucks. Yeah. Just sucks. And everyone's like, everyone's trying, trying to figure it out. And so my approach and a lot of the people around me were just like, we very slowly dismantled our stuff because we're like, we know that there's enough misery here that people are trying to figure out some, just yeah, something. Some Fuck it, throw us a bone. Yeah, yep. yeah. And so, you know, the mixed team was trying to figure out, they were calling up like a bunch of different kind of venues and bars and stuff. And being like, hey, could we just like, I don't know, crash your bar with like, Fucking 50 devs and 500 people, which, of course, you know, doesn't work. <laughs> yeah, there's um, nowhere you can go in the last minute that's big enough. It's too big. Yeah, it's too oh, big. It was, this was Thursday night, right? It's be Thursday night. And yeah. so then uh, out of nowhere, as I'm like halfway through dismantling my stuff, being like, well, I guess I'm just going to go. Um, then the completionist, so Gerard from the completionist, comes fucking bopping through the front door. And apparently he was going to kind of MC and stream from the show or something like that. Like he was going to actually show some, the show floor, but then also um, stream like five or six games in particular afterwards. And he comes popping in and he's like, Hey, I heard what happened. This is fucked up. My office is like an hour from here. So anybody who shows up, I will play your game for 15 to 20 minutes on stream. And we will just be there until everybody who shows up. And everyone's like starting at what? 8 p.m. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the, yeah. So the, it ended up starting at 9 p.m. PST, yeah. right? And yeah, everyone was just like, what? Okay. Yes. And so we ran over and like they, everybody kind of gave us his address for stuff. And, and then this sort of uh, migration of devs from this big building with plenty of room and like all the tech you need to uh, the completion's office, which is also it's a nice office, frankly. Um, but there's so many devs that show up because it's like, I think he ended up playing like 25 games, like basically half of the whole fucking show. So he was just show. up like all yeah, night. He, it was a seven hour. <laughs> it was a seven hour? <laughs> Starting at like hour. nine. Starting I mean, what a, what a, what a bro. He was so you good. Know, like yeah. what a move. Good God. Coming in and just being like, I got you. I got everybody. Honestly. And it's like, you know, we've talked a lot about the value of press versus the value of streamers, what you use these things for. And how you can use them to leverage for your launch and stuff like that. And the reality is that as far as like actual direct to players goes, like streamer coverage and YouTuber coverage is always better than press, always. Uh, as far as like direct to say platforms or whatever else, like press coverage tends to be a little more, you know, 
serious and a little more like. Yeah. So if you're like, if you're looking for publishers and stuff, it's good to have the press coverage, right? Yeah. If you're yeah. trying to sell the game to the people, right? Then yeah, YouTube streamers, streamers are go. Right. And so it's this is not it ends up not being I think actually a loss for most people, frankly, who end up getting to do it because like the reality is that they weren't going to stream. They're only going to stream a few games, not. They were definitely not going to stream Crashlands. Like, I was not on the docket, you know? And so we basically drive over there, and then there's this, like, hour and a half where there's just this fucking whirlwind of, you know, I was unloading fucking huge crates of booze and, like, and beer, or like, a, <laughs> like all the drinks, basically, that they had from the show. They just, like, They were just like, fuck, I don't know. Like, you guys <laughs> just, like, people take it. And so so we're just, like, drink. we're just moving drinks in. We're moving, um, like, snacks and stuff, and then getting their office, which is like, it's, they got like two floors in this building, which looks like a really good kind of multiple streamer setup and stuff, but just getting all that arranged for everybody, figure, like getting a big whiteboard and figure stuff out. And their team is just so nice and so wonderful. So like huge shout out, huge shout out, just that whole crew over there with the completionists. Cause like they were so wonderful, like just so wonderful that I was like, you know, you just meet good people. Mm-hmm. There's just a whole crew of really good people. And so we then at, uh, at about 8.30 or trying, or about at 9 o'clock, or trying to get the stream live. And I managed to get Crashlands 2 as the first one on it, just by virtue of, one, Gerard and I actually know each other because we've been around for, like, enough time that we saw him at a fucking conference years ago. And, and he was he one of the judges. Head. Yeah, and he played a shitload of level head over the... Um, he revealed over, yeah, the over, pandemic. over the pandemic. We've yeah. participated in their Indie Land event and done giveaways for keys and stuff like that. And so we have enough history that. Uh, and then I was like, "Hey, I'm I I'm leaving in the morning, and I have a baby at home, and I want to get some fucking sleep." And he was like, "Done." So um, <laughs> done and done. Done and done. <laughs> and so yeah, just like you know, put me at the top of the list, and then we went. And we, as Mister Rogers says, you know, when something goes wrong, look for the helpers. Right? Yeah, I mean, sometimes so, they're you don't even need to look for them, man. They are right there. They're right They're there, ready up. to go. Yeah. You got to be kind of or, blind, frankly. Not or when it. life gives you lemons, you tell life to take those lemons back. Mm-hmm. Yeah, demand to speak to life's manager. Yep, yep. 100%. also good advice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so we ended up getting to do a live stream of the gameplay, which is like, again, I you know didn't expect to be able to show like 15 minutes of gameplay to everybody, which is awesome. So the funniest yeah, part- and also yeah, it was funny watching the stream because clearly because you were the first person and they were just like yeah. working through audio, audio and technical terrible. issues. Yeah. And you were and you were like trying to explain the game for the first like few minutes and they just kept like interrupting you to fix audio oh, shit. Yeah, of course. Yeah. The mics were like, yeah. I think any anybody would be like really thrown off their their game, you know? But I feel like you handled it very well. Yeah. The thing is like there's again like the atmosphere was so jovial. Because it was such a like, yeah, we're just, we're just everyone's just happy to be here, and like, yep. it doesn't matter because this is more than anyone thought they were gonna get. So like, I could yep. be muted, and I'm still happy to be here. It doesn't fucking matter, you know. Yep. And uh, my favorite was that the fucking, uh, I believe Fraser is the name of the guy who like does the kind of like more the, t- the studio work on managing like what is on screen when and like switching cameras and stuff like that. And he had to. In the 15 minutes that someone else was, was playing the current game, had to do like a hand, like a Photoshop edit of the overlay to add in the social information and the game name and the studio name for the next <laughs> studio, get that exported. So he's like, like building the graphics studio, yeah, in real exactly. time. <laughs> like this, I can't even tell you, this is like a duct tape canoe. Yeah. But it was so fun and so lovely. It's, it's the sort but of it's thing. It's also like, like watch, this is, it's like when we talk about game jams and stuff, but yeah. 
we talk about game jams as like a way to learn and stuff, right? But also this context with professionals when like professionals are oh, like fast trying yeah. to make something happen. Um, and like, and we've seen this with lots of people that we've worked with who are just like really good at what they do where when they're in the middle of a crisis, uh, like that's when you see like what, well, like what a true like professional who's oh, yeah. just adept at their, at their discipline. Right. And cause they just like, yeah. they go from like they know all the shortcuts, they know all yeah, the ways they just know how wrong. to make the <laughs> thing happen. And it's, to, uh, that's one of my favorite things about like watching people do the stuff they're good at is like, is what happens in these moments, you know, when they're just yep. like, yep. gotta make something work. Yeah. It was, it was awesome. So, um, huge shout out to them for, for hosting everyone. And that's exactly the sort of thing. Like, you know, if I wasn't leaving first thing in the morning, it's, I would have just hung out until it was over. Cause like you're we're also having, I was having great dev conversations. So I was talking oh yeah. About that would have been like one of the best, uh, cause like still one of our trenches, you know, yeah, still, still one of our best, like the, the, the event that I still to this day, like know the most people from was indie Popcon. Yeah. From That's 2015. Yeah. yeah. Is that right? In, in Indianapolis. In Indianapolis with like a tiny group of random developers. Like it was, it just, it's not a big event, right? I mean, it's not tiny either. Like there was, I think, 5,000 attendees a day or something, you know? So, but it's like this mixed, it's a pop culture thing, right? So it's like this really mixed event where games, there, I don't know, there were like a few dozen games or something. Mm -hmm. Wasn't that also the event where there were supposed to be a handful of like really big streamers there yeah. and they largely just never showed up and we mm -hmm. had like, yep. we had like streamer kits ready to go to give to them and. Yeah. Oh no, they, they did show up, but Gerard was the only one who came by the actual booth. Oh, that's right. Because it was yeah, like, yeah. like Markiplier was there, like a few of these other really big streamers and yeah. stuff, but they didn't actually visit any of their games. So. Yeah. Yeah. Gerard was the only one who came by to see everything. I think in part because he was judging the competition, but seems also like probably this is the thing he would do <laughs> you know? yeah. um and so yeah it was it was a really weird time yeah but, but it had the same yeah. sense of like we're we're all there we're and we you know we were really new at that point still because like mm -hmm. we'd, we'd had the prior mobile titles out but the, you know crash ones is our first big game really right and this was our this was our first time i think actually showing our game at a convention yes, it, yeah, was. it was yep like we had we had been to gdc to talk to developers and stuff we hadn't gone to a player facing mm -hmm. convention with press yep. and, and stuff like we were that. actually you're yeah. playing the game straight out of game maker like hitting yeah. the play button right. and yeah, because the, we were working on the tutorial yep. in between yep play again yes that's like what's coding us up in, like underneath a <laughs> yeah. cardboard standing desk it's then, such yeah. a bootstrap <laughs> operation right but it was like it was so fun oh, so and fun. so intense and, and and we and we just like met because everybody else there was kind of in the same great time like, it was yeah. like fairly early career indie devs or people who had come to indie from AAA or whatever right but mm -hmm. like still it wasn't established indie devs Right, at least at least that I remember. Uh, maybe there was somebody there who was. Yeah, you had manifold. Just a bunch of bunch of hopefuls. Yeah, manifold yeah, garden you know. was there. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Battleship brigade. Yep. Uh, mm -hmm. And I think there was a couple other really fun ones that we met. Here with the yeah, we game. saw like rare sloth there. Yeah, I yeah, mean, yeah. it was it yeah. was just yeah, just a bunch just of stuff. A, we were all in the trenches together at that time. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah so, it sounds like exactly <laughs> the same kind of an event where yeah, like like I said, if you didn't if you weren't already dealing with needing to. Just you'd had to go to sleep. That was like the only move yeah. you really yeah. had available to you now. But yeah, you're absolutely like that would have been one of the best outcomes actually for that event. Cause like, cause I mean, these kinds of events, like the, what the mix is supposed to be, cause we did the mix, didn't we? With we did, Levelhead? yeah, we did in, um, I believe in PAX a couple of years ago with Levelhead. We did, yeah, PAX, at PAX West, we did the mix. Yeah. Or is it GC? The, I can't remember what it did. Yeah. It was at something, yeah, but but it was like it was a cool event at this like a neat venue. I don't mm -hmm. know if it was. 
I guess it wouldn't have been the same venue because San Francisco. Yeah. Um, but uh, like, but those kinds of events, stuff. yeah, they're, like they're they're cool and they're interesting. You get to you get to talk to people and meet some people, right? But they're still everyone's so focused on like their demo stand and trying to get the attention of like the handful of yeah. press people walking through that it's not very a camaraderie filled event. Like the reason that any popcorn was actually so camaraderie filled was because everybody was bummed that we weren't going to get the streamer attention we were sold, yeah. right? Yeah. And so now all of a sudden we weren't seeking that. Like everyone had kind of given up on that. And so all we had was like to just talk to each other instead. Everyone's just hanging out. Yeah. yeah and like, and you're still like, you're like, you're showing the games to people, but they're, it, but the one-on-one selling of a game to the people like in public is it, it's just the worst way to sell a video game. In the Especially a game like Crashlands. It's like, it's a, people sit down oh, for it's 20 a minutes. Form, yeah. <laughs> yeah, 20 yeah. minutes at a time. Yeah. And but it just, like, it just doesn't scale in any meaningful way. Right. The reason you go to those events is not to try to get, convince the people that your game is worth something yeah. it's it's to, it's to, to convince catch. the people who convince people yeah exactly yes. that's yeah. the that's yeah. The, yeah and uh yeah i think that that camaraderie thing and like being in the trenches you know like is is just so yeah impactful. I mean, like, so yeah I'm, I'm glad that everybody like that's really awesome that the completionists did that and and i hope that everybody else who attended especially these these newer devs um really got to get out of the experience what what I you really can so. you know yeah. Yeah. yeah i hope so so yeah the the Night basically ended around you know, like ten or something like that when I left there, and again, it's like another hour back to the. It's like a, it's far out, it's another hour away. <laughs> Uber back to the hotel, crash, and then just get up and, and fly home in the morning. Um, but what's been super nice to see is you know again we talked about working on this game for three years in a black box basically. Um, while we've been talking about it, it's very different. You can talk about something to your blue in the face, but you know showing people the thing and seeing their genuine reactions is always. Always the question of like, did you make the correct decisions really about all this stuff? And the response has been just wonderfully positive, wonderfully positive. And uh, everyone seems very pumped. And then on top of that, like just the total, like the wish list we've gotten over the weekend and stuff from the combination of the collective announcement and then uh, our ballyhoo has been going out. So you might you know, probably see that newsletter depending on when you've signed up for Bscotch ID stuff. Um, you know, we, We've got a, a very healthy number of wish lists then over, over the past weekend, and everything's just looking very good. And so it's really yeah, I'd say our, comforting. Our wish, <laughs> yeah, our wish lists for Crashlands 2 are, are far surpassing anything we've ever seen yeah. mm-hmm. uh, for any of our previous games. Outside uh, of their actual launches. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. In the run-up. Because we, yeah. Yeah, we, went, we went back and looked at at what our wish list had looked like for, for Crashlands and Levelhead, you know, like before they launched and the rate of, of, of gain and stuff like that. And yeah, the, the response to Crashlands 2 just far, far eclipses what we were seeing on those yeah. two prior games. So that's, you know, it was, it's kind of a, uh, we were, we, we were always kind of worried, like, are we making the right choice? I mean, that's always the case when you're working on a game, right? Like, especially making sequel, the right though, game, you know, it's our yeah. first sequel. Yeah. Uh, and we were kind of banking on the idea that like, since it's a sequel, then we can, we can get buy-in from people who know the, the first game, but also it still has to be good enough to expand uh, the audience, to expand the audience. And it, and it, I, I don't know for sure if it's doing that, right. Because like, we don't know, who the people wishlisting the game are, right? Mm-hmm. And we don't know what their experience is. But at the very least, we can say that it's it seems to be resonating. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, and I think uh, most, like, and it was part of the the plan all along, right, is that the early phase of Crashlands 2's sort of uh, press and wishlist accumulation, that kind of stuff, is, like, deliberately targeted towards 
OG Crashlands players, right? As in like, that's that's the actual strategy. Um, and even something like the the mix, like like all these things still have limited reach. Yes. Um, and so you don't, unless you have like some, unless you have like a game where you're like riding dinosaurs, you know, or something, right? Something that like really just compels the shit out of everybody, right? Uh, for the most part, what, what these kind of events are is like, is really for the people who are like looking at a certain publisher, looking at a certain developer, looking at a certain mm -hmm. genre, right? And trying to find like the new stuff in that. And so they're pretty, they're pretty actually laser focused in, in the kind yeah, of but it's, numbers they can generate. Yeah. It's good to start with those, with a win over a, a, a niche, you know, before you yep. try to go large. Because if you can't get a, if you can't get a small group of people who are, you know, in kind of inclined to be excited about whatever you're making to get excited about it, you're not going to get mass market yeah. people to be interested. Yeah. And, uh, and I also want to say, so Sam, while you were gone, while you were in LA, uh, so I was working on a bunch of, this is not, this is not about our launch. This is just like something about the game that I feel like I need to share uh, to our, our podcast listeners. Um, so I was working on a bunch of more kind of like technical stuff. Um, and the big thing was like updates to how the, the world map works in the game because, we, you know, after our playthroughs last week, we were just kind of like, well, the world map isn't conveying enough information, right? Like it's a little bit too sparse and a little bit too hard to, to, to parse. Mm -hmm. And so, um, I was working with, uh, Jen, who's our narrative designer. And, and we were kind of like talking through the kinds of things that we would need to see and, you know, whatever. So, uh, made a bunch of updates to the world map. And I started looking around at the new stuff that I could, because like I'm not part of building the world, like I'm I'm building the game system, so I don't really know what's out there, right? In a true No Man's Sky fashion, you know, like even the developers don't know <laughs> what's in their own game. Yeah. This is more of a uh, Manhattan Project situation where yep. you know things are compartmentalized on purpose so that we can get genuine reactions, you mm -hmm. know, to things. Um, and as we made these changes to the world map, I started seeing things in the world that I didn't know were there. Right. Mm -hmm. And, and I'm not going to spoil anything about what it actually was, but I will say that once I saw those things on the map and then I used my you know, developer cheats to just go there and see it. Um, and I, I had two different reactions to these things that I came across that I have not experienced in many other games at all and never in the original Crashlands. Mm -hmm. um, one of them was I, the hair stood up on my arm. <laughs> oh, I know what you're talking and, about. And I, I, I exactly was like, I was like creeped the fuck out. Yep. <laughs> um, and another was was I got really fucking sad <laughs> uh, because like I knew I knew it was like some of the contours of of some of the story and like how that was gonna tie into what I was seeing and I legit I I, I had legit feels uh, <laughs> and uh, and I think I think that's something that you know we've been striving for is like we really want we want this to have that like jovial goofy kind of like bouncy vibe mm -hmm. of the original crashlands which it does have right but but we also wanted to make it so that it it hits it way more. more emotional range mm -hmm. right that like the stories aren't just goofy that the stories are like they feel more real and more in some cases serious but also but also like with various all kinds of goofy um 
other things that happen, you know, mm-hmm. but like, but, but it, it was very gratifying to like, to see that so many things that we've been trying to do, um, it's like, it's really working, you know? Mm-hmm. And I, I think it's gonna, I think it's gonna really blow people's socks off. Like when we actually release this thing, especially after, you know, another like year or more of development yeah. or whatever we're doing, um, the, it, this game's going to like really, it's going to really hit people in a bunch of emotional ways, I think. it's good. Which, which I'm very excited about. Um, and I don't think we've ever been able to really do that. No, we've, we've always just you know? leaned on humor, right? And that, as like the, and just, just like joy as like, that's, that's the experience that we're delivering is, is. Yeah. Which again, the, we are still doing. Oh, yeah. there's plenty of. Yeah. But I would just say the the richness of the emotional tapestry of <laughs> yeah, this of this game <laughs> is so yeah. I, and again, like I'm not I'm not I'm not saying this as somebody who's making the story or whatever, right? Like I'm not telling you what I would what I want people to feel. You just parachute it in. Saying, and you're like, oh fuck! <laughs> I'm saying this is what I felt yeah. uh, when yeah. I encountered these parts of the story as someone who isn't writing the story. Like yeah. I didn't know that these things were there. I didn't know what was going to happen. And it really hit me. Well, yeah. and that's <laughs> no. despite knowing. Uh, so. Cause like, yeah. Cause when I, when I did my play test last Monday, a couple of days before the announcement, but after we recorded the, the podcast episode about the announcement. Mm-hmm. Right? Um, so I still didn't play the game at that point. Is that right? That is right. Yep. Yeah. You played it on Monday or Tuesday. You played it on Monday. Yeah, we recorded uh, on the prior Friday. Yeah. So, yeah. So, yeah. so I hadn't played the game actually when we had our, our last podcast episode. Um, and so I did my playtest on Monday and it was a, it was a similar kind of a thing where I was, I was having the same kind of an, a, like overall experience that I had in original Crashlands, which is exactly what we're hoping for, right? Where I'm like out doing stuff and just having a good time. Um, mm-hmm. but the depth of like interaction with like the, the depth of character of the, of not just the characters, but especially characters, but also the whole world, right. was like so much more that I similarly found myself just like very attached and invested in like all of the stuff that was unfolding and the characters who I was talking to about stuff and, and all the characters had their like fun, interesting interactions and were had these like really funny moments that were actually just made funnier because of how much, you know, richer the context was. But then they also all had these like hinted at, you know, uh, sort of traumatic backgrounds, right? Yeah. Just like in real life, you know, that's kind of what, all of life is for everybody. in real life, you know, you can meet somebody and they can be a fun and amazing and interesting person who you love to be around and tell all kinds of jokes and stuff. But also, there's a they background could have, of they stuff, could have been you know. through some shit. Yeah. And you know? uh, so, Seth, like you're saying, like if, from all the discussions that we've had over the years of like what's going on in the game, I've seen tons of the art, seen tons of the concept art, heard tons of the music, right? And sure, I haven't done like a, I haven't done like a full playthrough, but like I, I knew a lot about this game coming yeah. into it. Yeah. I knew the overarching story. I knew like, I, I knew about these different concepts that I was about to go experience. Um, and even though that as like a spoiler effect, like would have reduced the impact of like then mm-hmm. wandering into it experientially, the fact that it's still like, so I didn't have like the hairs raised on my, the back of my neck. Right. But like. I might as well have like it was that there was that level of like I knew exactly what I was gonna walk into. I'd seen the art before, yeah. Yep. But then walking into it was still this like Ugh, this horrible thing. like yeah <laughs> creepy experience, right? And and then participating in some parts of the story, like as Seth said, like the beginning of the of the, of the game is like alluding to 
some of this stuff that's going on that you start to then discover, right? And the, there's this moment where you interact with it where if you interact with it with, a, with one of the characters who, like, has more direct relationship with that stuff that's going on, right? Then it was actually their response to it that, like, mm. that, like put the top around what was already this, like, very creepy, unsettling thing. And it turned it from that into this, like, just, this is just, like, gut-wrenching, like, eh, you know, like, <laughs> like yeah. thing. Uh, like, was, I'm sad. <laughs> yeah, but, but then, like, immediately outside of that, then I get to, like, leave that space, and I'm now back out, like, harvesting pop trees and, like— Back going, in the crashlands. Back world. in the crashlands, yeah, right? Just, let's just dip our toes into yeah. unsettling, horrible but territory. With, yeah, the whole, the whole point yeah. of that, though, is, like, because it's not just about then— It's not really—the goal is not necessarily to make you feel sad, right? So much as it is that when you, when you go down a bit in that emotional range and you kind of hit some of these things, then when you come back up, it almost like it widens the whole range, right? You can have a bit happier and bigger joy moments because you're able to dip down a little bit further, if that makes sense. Like the swing back yeah. up. Well, well, I think well, about this in contrast with like Diablo 4, which my wife and I have been playing. And I just like don't give a shit about the story of Diablo <laughs> that's 4. Ne- yeah, that's like, never what it's been about. Well, like, it's, it's, true. It's, it's cool. It's very it's, cool. Well, it's like, like, yeah, it's cool, but like I'm not invested even slightly in the story, yeah, right? Like I, I, I every it. time I interact <laughs> with the character, they're just like, oh, there's demons are killing people. And like, and and maybe, you know, maybe they're going to be a demon at some point and you have to kill yep. them. Maybe not, you know, but like, I don't, <laughs> it's about, I, honestly, it's about accurate. That's the whole that's thing. That's the story of yeah. Diablo. <laughs> but like, I do not, I do not care. It just doesn't fucking matter because like, yeah. and like you wander through towns and like all the villagers look like just, you know, cloned stamps of sad, miserable people. Right. And like the whole vibe is just everybody is sad and this it's world true. is terrible. That's the mm-hmm. only vibe the whole thing has, right? And so you go talk to like there's there's one fucking guy you talk to in a town, like this little villager guy. He's like next to the healer who who you can just go walk up to and click, and they're like, Oh, you're healed now, right? But this poor guy who's standing right there apparently doesn't seem to get heals, <laughs> you know? Honest. So he's just like <laughs> he's just talking about how he's just got his 17th uh uh, what is it, like lesion on his arm? I don't know. Something he's just like talking about. Uh, there's the, a fucking magic he, healer just standing right next yeah, to me. Like you don't have insurance, bro. Like, I assume it's because he's not. A, <laughs> it's like a hero capitalism kind of thing, right? So yeah, the more he's not a carrying sure. member. He doesn't have a potion. Yeah, the more you know, service you get, can't have drink if you don't have yeah, a potion. So you just that. But yeah, yeah, but so like the but the whole world is just <laughs> this, right? It's like dark in the most uninteresting way possible. Which is not to say like the game super fun. I've enjoyed. Well, great I, game. I've enjoyed yeah. the. I've enjoyed its. Uh, a lot of the quests for their specific flavors of gross darkness, right? But oh, yeah, it is absolutely. true that it's like opening cutscene also, like ooh, top oh, top fucking savage. tier, wonderful, like yeah. gross horror. It's like yeah. just f- great. Yeah, it's been it's yeah. been really good. But yeah, you are right that it, it hits a note, and granted, hits it very well in my opinion. Like that that sort of like this place is terrible and everything is miserable, and here's a bunch of flavors of that. Uh, yeah, it's a chorus of misery, right? Which yeah, is, but the absence cool. of any range, though, and like in the yeah, right, right. and the fact that the story is basically just like, oh, hey, demons again. That's demons like to murder people and do it in yep. gross ways, and that's it. Like, there's not it's not particularly compelling from from a narrative perspective. Like, I always find this with any with any like villain story, you know, like so many of them are so fucking one dimensional. Where oh yeah, it's your big bad. I'm mad and so genocide. Yep. <laughs> or yeah, well, and like, yep. and, and maybe I haven't gotten to that point yet, but I actually can't even think of what the villain in Diablo 4 is. Yeah, she's just, she's called the, the daughter of hatred. She just, like, she just likes things to be dead, I guess. 
She's apparently, apparently she also made God. The she world? made the world. Yeah, she like made the world, but then also but she's like, oh, that was a mistake. When they, but she doesn't <laughs> even say that. She's not even like, I want to yeah. obliterate this thing. It's just like she yeah, would don't prefer to, to be demons. I, like I, I, I haven't beat it yet, so I still, I still don't know what she's doing. I'm in the same boat as the character. Which is, is that the rule? Nice. You have to, you have to beat the game before you know what the villain is. Doing. <laughs> you know, try, I mean, they're trying to do the unfolding mystery, right? It's like clearly yeah. she's a villain, and we don't know why she's doing what she's doing, but she's doing a lot of things that are really bad. But that's like. That's all I got. So I don't know. I don't know why. Yeah, it's very, it's yeah. very unclear. It, it's a problem for me, like with most things in the horror genre in general, which is they they rely on being like gross and scary and dark and like and just like that that vibe, right? Mm-hmm. So intensely that all of this the details of like the story are secondary because they're just like trying to find excuses to give you this stuff, you know. Um, to the point where, for the most part, I find like horror as a genre so fucking one-dimensional that I can't even be properly horrified. Yeah, because yeah. anytime you anytime you say, "But why though?" and there's just literally no answer. There's just no. Why is this? Because I'm like this. That's yeah. it. Yeah, yeah, but I'll say I, I think back when we first started working on, like even just conceiving of what we wanted to do in Crash Games Two, we had these touchstones, and a big a big one was. Um, you know, like uh, Parks and Rec or The Good Place or like these mm-hmm. these uh, shows that um, largely revolve around a cast of, of characters who like generally support each other and are like – are very like – it's very wholesome and has yeah. a lot of comedic moments and stuff. But also any given episode will like show a lot of – the, Yeah, they'll show a lot of the depth of like some of the things that the characters are struggling with or whatever. But then – Again, like we were saying, like that that makes those uh, positive, wholesome moments much yeah. stronger because you're or like Ted Lasso, right? Like you're you're yeah, cheering yeah. even even when you see somebody who's kind of like a dick or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, then as as things progress, you start to actually sort of like sympathize with that person, and and you you're not you don't like hate them. You more just kind of feel bad for them and hope that they figure, figure their, out shit their shit out. You know, yeah. um, which. Is a much it's a much better vibe, you know, yeah. than just like this person is is bad, perm is permanently bad, bad, and the only solution yeah. to their badness is murder <laughs> or whatever. Yeah, uh, yeah. yeah, So I, I think again, like as somebody who who isn't part of the 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 world creation and the story creation, and who just like gets to come in and see it from time to time. Um, it's, it's going to really, it's going to really catch people off guard, I think, because the first game is very jovial. This game is also very jovial, but then like the fact that it has this depth to it, I think is going to really resonate. Yeah. So I think uh, big props, Sam, no. you know, to you and Jen for, mm-hmm. for all that. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you guys want to get into, uh, some questions? Yeah. So highest of a question comes from Captain Jazz. And these questions come from uh, our listeners who are at podcast.bscotch.net. And uh, now that we've, you know, unveiled Crashlands 2, feel free to ask uh, Mm -hmm. a lot more specific questions about it based on what you've seen. uh, And we'll, Mm -hmm. you know, we'll see if we can answer them. We might answer them. Yeah. Uh, So Captain Jazz says, in preparation for episode 420, which is the next episode, uh, in what ways is the Butterscotch crew blazing through Crashlands 2 development? Mm. (laughs) (laughs) I guess the question here is like, do they mean this? Literally? Do they mean it? Like, are we like, are we smoking marijuana through the development? Like, is that the (laughs) question? I mean, we're not. 
We're not not smart. I would say I would say this. Oftentimes people will ask us if we do drugs while we make our games because of how mm-hmm. sometimes unhinged they are. Mm-hmm. And the answer 99.99% of the time is no. Yeah, uh, yeah that's great. Because it's really fucking hard to program on weed. I, yeah. Or I, do do much of any change. Do thought. much of anything. Yeah. Um, but especially challenging think, design stuff. You know? Yeah, no. Like, yeah. Now a little bit of booze will will get you real far uh for lateral thinking. But only a but little bit. Only a little bit. It's very easy to overshoot and yep. now you're now you're dumb as a rock. Yep. You know? So you got uh so in general, we just have like coffee and ritalin. That, and, and, yep. you know, it's more because of, our, because of our ADHD. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. So we we are on drugs, but not in the sort of hallucinogenic or you know uh, ways that people generally would assume. Mm-hmm. Um, otherwise, blazing. I mean, we, the like we talked about in the past, the first couple of years of development were they did feel very slow because we were doing so much research and tools development. But now we are certainly blazing. Certainly, I blazing. would say, yeah, yeah. it's yeah. very fast. Uh, we can do we can do wild shit. Yep. So now we have a new problem, which is something that we will be working on in the coming months. Which is that it is it is so easy to add stuff to the game so fast that it's going to be real easy for us to lose sight of what the fuck is in there, how it connects, how it's been tested, how much it's been tested, uh, whether if we change something, how that's going to cascade across a thousand other things. Because if there's fifty thousand things, it does. yeah, and they're all connected, and you change one, what happens, right? So. There's a lot of visibility problems that we're going to run into um, as we get into our content push phase, which mm-hmm. we're pretty close to. But I mean, yeah, I mean, it's it's going real fast. I don't really it's know what fast. else to yeah. say about it. Yeah. We'll have a whole lot of game in there by the time this thing comes out in a year. There'll be a lot yeah. of game. A yeah. lot. Uh, so, yeah. Yep. Uh, all right. Well, next question comes from Jumpy Jumpy Craig Quadjoin, mm. who says – You mentioned in episode 414 that tools like GitHub Copilot will be best used by subject matter experts. But will these tools reduce the number of subject matter experts that exist? Will people learn fewer things or learn less quickly if they use Copilot? In the episode, you described a Python and then JavaScript tool you made. Did you learn as many things as you would have if you did it without Copilot? You probably wouldn't have done it at all without it, but would someone learning to code suffer from using it too much? I want to say here that... It's a common idea that making something easier means that somehow you make it less rewarding, right? I think in the case of a lot of things, programming, art, whatever else, there's a lot of pieces of it that making them easier actually makes it easier for people to learn stuff. And especially, I think the specificity with which something like Copilot or any of these AI tools can attack your specific version of a problem in the context that it's in can much more rapidly allow you to essentially yeah, model a new thing that you're trying to figure out how to model or uh, solve a problem that you're trying to figure out how to solve in a way that I, th- I think actually makes you learn more faster. Because the reality is like, once you know, for example, how to like convert some fucking Python to JavaScript or whatever you're doing. Does the next, I don't know, bajillion hours of manually doing it by hand really teach you all that much? Or is it just a portion of that that teaches you? And would you just hit those anyways if you're trying to figure I would out? I say so much of early learning is trying to figure out how to figure out. Yes. Like what to do or how to solve some problem or experience or whatever, right? 
And I think what these tools do really well already, and I think what they're, at least in the current version of things, are best primed for is in removing that layer of just like having to fight for every little scrap of like learning and discovery because it's hard because like because things are not designed so that they can be learned they're designed for some functional purpose to solve some set of problems right and then so if you take like python as a programming language or javascript or whatever right these are all products made by somebody who's trying to solve a problem and then there's then then an an education industry that also exists in parallel, right? That is now saying, oh, here's a thing that exists. Let's figure out how to make it so you understand how to use this thing, right? Mm-hmm. So there's a there's a strong just like an enormous and like annual experience is also for you, especially from the bleeding edge of software stuff where like new things come bleeding out. Docs. Yeah, the docs are fucking nightmare, right? I, I, yeah. And like that's where I've lived for a long time. So like I spend almost all of my time these days is like high-level design of programming problems or programming solutions, understanding the problem, right? And then reading docs for new tech to try to yeah, figure which out. Which again, reading docs is kind of like, if you wanted to learn English by reading the dictionary, yeah. like everything is self-referential, right? Like you read something in, a, in documentation and it's just going to point to another part of the documentation, which also yeah. points to a different part. And so- So answering the, a specific question kind of requires knowing- it's really hard. It's yeah, hard. the hardest part well, is the and circular reference problem. Yeah, and, and as the tools that you use get like more complex, because we've mentioned in the past, Amazon Web Services, AWS, which mm-hmm. is this enormous suite of at this point, I don't know, a few hundred web services, mm-hmm. right? Each one of which, and, and all these are like technically challenged, like technically yep. deep yep. fucking things, right? None of these are like, oh, I can go click some buttons and I've done a thing, right? It's all like, hey, here's like, so here, network engineer, here's like how this all works, right? Mm-hmm. And like, so they've, they've, they must have 10,000 pages of documentation, right? To describe all of the aspects of what's going on in here. If you want to build a single thing, right, yep. there's no way for you to just like know, okay, well, I'm going to need these five services to like make this thing that I'm imagining, right? And then to make them all work, I need to then kind of figure out how to configure them and can figure out how they talk to each other. Like the number of things you have to figure out to like go solve a problem in these spaces is so high that it's only available to a domain expert who also has fuckloads of time, right, to go through that stuff. So I know what I've personally – so I think I think what, what's true about this is what's always been true, which is that when it gets easier to learn how to do a thing, if you are a curious person, it will make you learn more and better yeah. and faster. If you are not a curious person, then it will it will empower you to do stuff that you couldn't do otherwise – Mm-hmm. but will not help you learn. Right. Right. In other yeah. words, it's about you, not the tool. It's about you. It's not about the tool. Yeah. Yeah. And also, you know, the Jevons paradox says that if you make something more efficient, you will only increase its use, mm-hmm. which means uh, if it's easier to get into programming and faster, or if you even know a little bit about programming, it's far easier to then like do way more things or write mm-hmm. things in a different programming language that you're not as familiar with. Right. And you will. Then, yeah. Because another thing is that one of the best ways to learn programming is to deconstruct someone else's code. Mm-hmm. Well, what if the someone else is Copilot and the code that it has produced is doing a thing that you exactly told it you wanted it to do, mm-hmm. right? Then now you're you're starting by looking at a block of code that you didn't write, mm-hmm. but, but you know you what it's described to do. and you know what it's supposed mm-hmm. to do. And now the reverse engineering process is way faster. Yeah. Right? And if you and if so. yeah, and if you're writing code and just like People are like, oh, but now people can just like blindly accept Copilot and now they're going to make all this bloody code. It's like, 
that has always been how people have done been, code. Mm-hmm. But that's always been uh, well, again, that's that's always been how a certain subset of people do everything. Yeah, again, it's you've always hear the the joke about like, people curiosity. just going to Stack Overflow and just copy pasting. Yeah, shit, do you know right? the last time had, I copy pasted from Stack Overflow, like and just directly, was probably ten years ago, right? Like that's yeah, not man. a person who is like operating it's, with curiosity, like maximally in their domain, is not doing that. And this in the same way that like a person who's deeply who's like using all these AI tools and stuff, right? They're not just blindly accepting shit that's being spat out of Copilot, right? Mm-hmm. They're reading it really carefully, the same way they would review somebody else's code, right? Same way they would review their own code to try to figure out like, is this doing what I thought it was doing, right? Um, and and like Seth, to your point, if like Copilot is spitting out code that's supposed to be relevant to what you're trying to accomplish. Yes. There's no better way to learn than yep. to have relevant stuff that you already yeah. have <laughs> context for presented Jesus to you. Jesus Christ, yes. Saves takes so much you, time. Yeah, it saves so much. It takes you out of like the comfort zone of the stuff that you do know into the space of stuff that you don't know. Mm-hmm. But in a way that you have everything else already handled. It's like this it, – because that's what learning should be is it's building on a foundation. And what this lets you do is provide your own foundation, mm-hmm. right, to, to learn that mm-hmm. context. Like I've already learned a bunch of like weird, neat tricks that I just didn't know that existed because there was no way for me as a person coding despite you know coding ask. constantly. Yeah. Like I wouldn't – I wouldn't know to look for such a thing, mm-hmm. right? I would, there's like it never in a million years would I like. It's a way of basically tapping into that. tapping into the unknown unknowns, but instantly in that are context aware, yeah. right? Which is yeah. a whole beautiful thing that is just not available if you are even on Stack Overflow trying to search for. Yeah, stuff, right? yeah. and I think as another example, like like there's so so Copilot Copilot X has all these like cool things they're working on, right? These, uh, and so one of them is is Copilot for Docs. Um, so, so I got into that, that beta program and they just basically have taken some of like the really big documentation things for some of the really popular software, like, uh, like, um, react and GitHub itself and like a bunch of things. Right. And they basically then applied basically, basically chat GPT to it. So you can just now Mm -hmm. ask questions about those docs and how to do stuff. Right. So I've been over here working on this stitch uh, so Stitch is our sort of set of tools that we use for automating programming tasks for GameMaker. Um, so I've been working on a VS Code extension to let us program our games in VS Code, right? That's a huge collection of really interesting, really hard problems, many of which I've never dealt with before. Mm-hmm. By using Copilot to like help me work through things and using ChatGPT to help me discover libraries I didn't even know existed and to like mm-hmm. ask mm-hmm. questions about terminology I'm a little bit uncertain about, but like... When I go just Google the thing, I find like a definition or a definition, but I, but I think the question I have about like more, more specifically, yep. yeah, I need, yep. I need some more nuance here. I can just supply the nuance and get an answer back. Right. And then with, between like that and then Copilot for docs, which knows about VS codes, all of its documentation and, and similar to AWS, it's literally hundreds and hundreds of pages of documentation mm-hmm including like detailed API documentations and also including like blog posts that describe like new features that aren't documented anywhere else because like nobody keeps that shit up to date, right? And so I can just ask it questions like, oh, how do I like make sure that like a portion of text is highlighted and I I know what that region is or just like just anything, right? As I'm building out this extension. And it can give me the, the most likely place to look for the answer and a decent approximation of an actual answer. Mm-hmm. out of the gate stuff that like Beautiful. I wouldn't be able to Google search for stuff that I wouldn't be able to just like go to their doc site and like look at the hierarchical structure and be like okay I know what I'm trying to do mm-hmm. now I know where to look here right like stuff that's basically 
would have taken in the past a whole day of just like reading and following links and Googling stuff and like maybe asking questions at a forum somewhere, you know, or whatever. And then at the end of the day, you're still like- down to just minutes. Yeah, you're still like, uh, here's my my first guess. And it's like, yeah, 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 because in the end, you still have to try it. And like the only (laughs) the only way I can even understand what I'm looking at is because of my pre-existing domain expertise and be able to apply it. Right. So, yeah. So my my opinion on this is that I think I think the people who are freaked out about how like these tools are going to make it so that people don't learn anymore. Uh, I think it's the same thing. It's the same people who were freaked out when computers were coming out and people were like, oh, if you can type, you don't have to like write by hand. How are you going to? Whatever the fuck they were freaking. How out are you that gonna time. send birthday cards? Yeah, or whatever. Like, <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know why. How you are you gonna write a check? I think that's one of the things yeah. that you yeah. do. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I think it's the same kind of stuff where it's uh, it's going to move us into a place where you won't be able to be a developer without these tools. Yes. Um, I think is is very quickly it's we're going to end up. True. Yeah. Well, or you will be, but you'll still be one hundred percent siloed into a slow rate of growth. Well, that, and that's what I mean is that is that the the market for people who are neither who are not domain experts using this tool. So that market will exist because they can still accomplish things, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and the market for people who are not domain experts and don't use these tools is gone. That's not going to be yeah. a thing. And then for people who are experts but don't use these tools, those people are going to get slowly kind of phased out because they'll mm-hmm. they'll they'll be unable to keep up with changes over time. And the and just the sheer cost, like I was describing like what used to take a whole day of my time to like learn a hard one lesson is 15 minutes is now is now of minutes right yeah like it's insane well there's, people there's can't something keep up with that without using these tools yeah so there's something kind of strange about this this uh brave new world that we're coming into which is that up until now let's say you're a software engineer and you want to apply for some jobs right that job will say we want a .net developer with 7 years of experience mm-hmm. Blah, blah, blah. Right. Well, with, with Copilot, even in its current state, not even, you know, disregarding what it's going to be like next year and the year after that. And, you know, it's only going to get smarter and, and better. Um, the only thing that really matters is critical thinking skills. Mm-hmm. Right. Because you could come in like you could come in as a as a Java developer. With, yeah, I was going to say also familiarity with the problem domain. Right. But yeah. but the idea that like that. Your ability to to program in .NET is exactly proportional to how many years you've been programming yeah. in .NET. That's yeah, not that's, that's, that's not going to yeah. be true at all. That's yeah. going forward. It's just like, do you have knowledge of programming fundamentals and concepts? It's almost well, and even more, more so, can you understand answers? Can you formulate? Because like, because there were some things that I've seen in other languages. Because I was like, I was playing with uh, with uh, Rust a few months ago, right? Cool language. Interesting, very different from something like, you know, JavaScript or game maker language. Um, more akin to like, you know, C++, but also very different from that. So there were some concepts in there I'd literally never seen before. And I've seen, a, I've like, I've done a lot of programming languages in my day. Like, so I've seen a lot of stuff and there were some things in there and I was like, I don't even have... Like it was kind of like when I was, <laughs> yeah, it was kind of <laughs> like when I was, when I was taking Chinese in college and they were like, oh yeah, so like there's kind of like we have like, you know, different kinds of words that you use to like, that go like, you know, a, a something of owls, a, a murder of whatever. Mm-hmm. They have one of those, but for like every kind of thing, right? It's a part of, it's actually a part of speech that is used in like every sentence is like, there's a, and it has a term, right? And a category, but that category does not exist in English as a part of speech, yeah, right, right. right? As a, a grammatical can, entity, entire doesn't exist in English, right? And so like trying to map that on was like so challenging at that time. And it was similarly when I was, 
digging into some Rust stuff, there were a few things where I was like, this is so foreign to me that I don't even, I don't have anything to start from to start reasoning about it, except I know enough about programming in general. I know enough about like formal languages. I don't know about problem solving the space. And I have access to a tool like ChatGPT where I can formulate some questions, right? Mm -hmm. And understand what I don't understand about the answers that come back to ask more questions, yeah. right? So that, so I think it's it's that combination of like curiosity and enough domain expertise that you can ask the right questions. Like that's the thing, because then stuff like you're saying, like it would still like a person who's been doing .NET for 10 years, like if they're doing .NET and using ChatGPT and these kinds of tools today, like I'm not going to catch up with them in a million years, right? Okay. But I'll be, I could look at their code today, having never touched .NET, with, and you could, with yeah. these tools and I could figure out what's going on and I could actually contribute mm-hmm. the same day, right? Yeah. But but there's also going to be a, a flip side to this, which is there will be people who come in, like be, because these tools will make it like hard, like fuzzier and, and harder for employers to kind of discern like who's going to be really good at stuff, right? Mm-hmm. Um, then there will also be tons and tons of stories that are going to come out over the coming years of yeah. people hiring somebody who's a programmer who then relies heavily on ChatGPT or blah, 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 and does a fucking terrible job. And therefore these tools are yeah. scams, right? Yeah. Like it's because they're not applying the curiosity and like yeah. the- As you say, it's the same thing you get with the copy paste devs, right? It's yeah, with anything. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So like, I guess, I guess in the ultimately what well, I think we're all probably agreed on is that the existence of these tools is going to dramatically- increase the number of subject matter experts or the number of subjects that experts are experts in. Well, yeah, actually, well, I, well, I think the way that I think about this is that it moves what expertise means from having to be about specifics yes. to being about higher level abstractions, Problems, which is where, which is where it should yeah. be, right? Because like, if you understand the idea that a variable is a thing in programming, right? Uh, it doesn't fucking matter that like in this language you specify yep. a, a variable this way and, and it's scoped like this and this other language you specify this way and it's scoped like that, right? Mm-hmm. That's stuff that – those are those are now details that like yep. may have interesting like differences and consequences, sure, right? But like those are the things now that like – That's just implementation. Detail, I shouldn't have to right? go spend like a day learning the tiny details and discovering what details even matter, Right when I understand enough about the general concepts that go into building software and and writing a programming languages that I already have enough to hold on to, right? I just need to know exact, I just need something else to take take care of the details for me so I can focus on the higher level abstraction. I think that's, that's where we're moving is to a place where we're moving the abstraction up. And it has never been the case ever in the history of abstractions moving up that that made it like require no longer required expertise. It just moved what the expertise is, yeah. right? Well, and what I, what I think if you if you extrapolate this further as like a final interesting thought experiment, right, is that uh, knowing things up and up until recently has been expensive, slow, and hard, mm-hmm. right? And yeah. so the concept of being a subject matter expert was like you're a cell biologist, you are a physicist, you are a software engineer, right? And you're not really going to be more than that. It's very few people who, yeah, (laughs) yeah, very few people have like uh, deep knowledge in multiple domains, right? Well, because deep knowledge has always been about the details and then about being able to now take, use the details to build up, to create abstractions and then give an abstraction to understand the implication on the details, right? That's like, that's what expertise is. Yeah. Yeah. So what's really cool about the, the, the way this is trending 
is that it makes it so that really smart people can can basically take shortcuts and get a a good understanding of of the abstracted concepts of things. And if they want to, they can then ask specific questions about specifics and get immediate exact answers. But it actually allows it allows people to really innovate by bridging knowledge across domains that otherwise they would not have been able to access, right? And like something that I've always um, I've always advocated for, and I believe is like a big contributor to our ability to to do what we do is that uh, our backgrounds are diverse. Like we we have we like growing up, we did all kinds of stuff. We made movies. We like built trebuchets. We took every class. We were like band and choir and sports. And, you know, we went to college and, and between the three of us, we had tons of different like majors that we did and different degrees and all that stuff. Right. And so, so if you have a completely siloed linear experience in life where all you do is one thing, then you're actually missing on all kinds of ideas that could be incorporated into what you're doing, but you just don't know about them. Right. And when we have a when we have a, a societal structure that sort of like requires you to silo yourself like that in order to be successful in a domain, then it actually stifles your ability to innovate because you can't you merge blend across domains. new ideas, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so what I think this this actually allows for, it, and what you'll see over time is like is an acceleration of of really interesting new innovative ideas that in the past, people would not have had the, the mental energy and resources and time to be able to dip their toe into so many cross domains yeah. and, and integrate new ideas. Right. Um, yeah. Well, especially so, with now, if you imagine like you're a consultant who makes software, right. One of the biggest problems, the reason this is always so challenging to, to rather than do something in-house to send it out. Right. Mm-hmm. Is that all the domain knowledge about the problem that you're trying to solve and the details of why and, and all this kind of stuff, right, lives inside the problem, do- like the original problem domain. And you're trying to create a new problem domain that like kind of feeds off of this one, right, that you're not familiar with and have somebody else do with that, but they're not familiar with the original one, right? And now the problem is like how successfully can these two parties who know a lot about their own domains but very little cross domain, how successfully can they even figure out what the right things are to ask and talk about, right? It's a context problem. It's a huge context problem. But now if it's – the and, and like so much of like what consulting is for these kinds of things is just like meeting with each other, being like, here's what we got. What did we not realize was going to be an issue, right? Uh, and now like if if it becomes the case that now you can just get access to someone's like infinite pool of documentation, right, fed by ChatGPT mm-hmm. or whatever, right, um, or equivalent kinds of things, then yeah, you can start really making it so that people now have a self-service a way to to answer questions and discover that they are missing components of the context that they need. That said, there's still no replacement for like the actual lived experience, right, of like oh, – yeah being in an industry for a long time because so much of it is still like an actual human experience, right? Um, and it and it can't f- replace that, but it's going to dramatically improve the... Yeah. the and I think, I think that's the key to all this stuff, right? It's like, it's going to augment all of this stuff that is currently extremely challenging that we don't have good solutions. We, ha- we don't have good human solutions for any of this stuff currently. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's going to make the human solutions that we do have much more accessible and much more manageable than they have been historically. Yeah, so that's who we've talked about the T-shaped person, right? Where you have like like a capital T. You've got like broad knowledge in a whole bunch of things and a deep knowledge in one thing, right? Mm-hmm. Like this this just makes it like a fat T, right? <laughs> like, it makes it like a, a fat it, underscore is what it Or a rake-shaped person, you know? Or a rake, yeah. 
Yeah. Or like, yeah. Yeah, some I don't know, but like it, it changes the shape. <laughs> oh, well, it changes the shape of it, right? Like it's, you're gonna you're yeah. gonna be able to have deeper deep knowledge in several domains because it's quicker to get there, yeah. and you're gonna be able to to straddle more things. Well, and again, I think cool. to me, like the thing that's the most powerful is that it moves it moves the value, like the human value add, into the abstraction space, um, yeah. which is where I think it should be. And I think it's it's been one of my frustrations that we talked about a lot with like the education system, like all of it, right? is that the education system we have focuses on details, not on abstractions, right? And so details yeah, it's, it's go out of date. think, not how to think. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I, and I think like yeah. as we move into this space where how to think matters more and more, maybe fucking finally people will start teaching people how to think instead of what to think. Uh, and then that'll be good for everybody, for yeah. all domains. We can only hope, you know. Yeah. So, dream. Uh, well, I think that's uh, all the time we have for this week. Thank you very much for the question. We appreciate it. I would like to thank our producers, Fat Bard and Sampa DaCosta, for putting the podcast together. And thanks to our community moderators who keep our Discord running. To get more involved in the Butterscotch community, just go to podcast.bscotch.net, where we have links to the Discord, a way for you to donate, and links to the archives. Thank you all for listening. See you next week. Goodbye. Goodbye.